0: Located in the beautiful city of Philadelphia, a Star Wars podcast emerges from hyperspace. My name is Sean, and MRC Tech presents The Last Podcast. What are you talking about? Welcome or welcome back to the podcast, everyone. This is Episode 2, and let's jump right into some Star Wars news. Be careful now, everyone. This is Rise of Skywalker theory territory. So if you are not interested in knowing anything about the Rise of Skywalker, skip ahead. So here's what we have. There seems to be a concept out there about Darth Vader Artifacts, or some sort of Sith artifacts, and I was perusing through Twitter and found this interesting tidbit. One of the artifacts that they could possibly be after, and by they, I mean the Knights of Ren. I need Ky- I mean Kylo Ren, and his posse. In the Rise of Skywalker trailer, they are Poe, uh, Ray. I'm assuming Finn, and the droids are being chased something, by uh, stormtroopers riding broomsticks, by the Knights of Ren, quite possibly. And the theory is this. This person, who is Gary Vegas from Twitter, at the donkey drip, it's a great name, the donkey drip, says, and he thinks this, they're after 3PO. If Kylo is trying to round up every last Vader artifact out there, 3PO would be the OG artifact. Now, we've seen in The Force Awakens that he has his melted helmet. <laughs> no one asks this question how did he get the helmet? Did he go on some sort of quest to uh, Endor to find the helmet? Was there a body even left over? He has an infatuation with the lightsaber, saying again at the end of The Force Awakens, that lightsaber, it's mine. Come and get it, responds Finn. He has the lightsaber of his his uncle, of his grandfather, kill the thing he hated most in Snoke. He held the lightsaber as it went through the Praetorian Guard in The Last Jedi. He battled, mentally battled Rey for the lightsaber at the end of The Last Jedi with it finally breaking. What does this mean symbolically? But that's a different conversation in terms of the lightsaber. We have the potential... Of 3POB becoming a major, major player in this new movie. Wow. 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 Amazing. Thank you, Gary, for blowing my brain like Chris Pratt in community. Thank you. He is at the Donkey Drip. Check him out. Well, guess what? We have some feedback and discussion. I would have never believed that this podcast would have gotten off to a good start. I just kind of thought that I would have had to put more episodes on the timeline, I guess, in the library to actually get some feedback. And lo and behold, I have people in comments a little quip here i have uh, people actually reaching out through uh, messages direct messages on instagram and i honestly it's like i was just blown away by it like to be you know it's just one of the coolest feelings in the world to get that feedback so i'm going to give you some of their names and some of the things they said just to you know put them out there just one of the things that you know you affected me and that's a good thing so we have m. cassini uh it was in a comment under the wee podcast insta handle and Greg tagged me in it and uh you know he was just very positive about it and he was the first and I was kind of like I was shook by it I was like oh my god like I never thought that this would have uh, affected anybody but it did uh next we have uh Rilo CSW uh R I L excuse me R I Y L O W C S W. And he says, it was really good. And he followed up with, I hope you're doing this once a week, right? No, sir. We talked about this. We messaged back and forth for a few. You're going to hear him a little bit later in the discussion questions. And uh, I just thought it was great feedback. You know, um, pretty excited about it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can keep this going. So, with that being said, let's remind our listeners of the questions that I put out there from last time. After putting this out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, I did get a few responses. So let's read the questions again. After some time has passed, how do you feel? About the Rise of Skywalker, what do we think the new Star Wars trilogy will be about? Do you plan on purchasing any books leading up to the Rise of Skywalker? And are you planning on going to Galaxy's Edge? So here's what we got. This is from Monkey Basement Productions on Instagram. I personally can't wait. The Rise of Skywalker teaser trailer gave us great images but only told us one thing. Palpatine! I listen to audiobooks so i will listen to as much as i can up to the release of the movie in my family and i plan on going to galaxy's edge we are super excited about walking up and standing underneath the millennium falcon thank you monkey basement productions for reaching out uh, shout them out follow them on the instagram and let's connect next we have M. Cassini. I put this up on my stories, and he responded. He or she responded. Thank you. He or she says, Super excited for the rise of Skywalker, but also excited to end the Skywalker saga. Preach. The Star Wars universe is so deep, I am ready for another storyline. I think people forget it's a in quotes universe and there are other characters besides the skywalker heritage the next trilogy better be old republic bring on darth malgus saving up to take wife and little princess to galaxy's Edge in two years rock and roll man thank you so much our final bit of discussion question feedback comes from Rilo CSW via a audio recording, and uh, what I'm gonna do is read off some of his thoughts after listening to the audio. So thanks, Bud, for recording that uh, on your way into work. That was that's pretty awesome. So to answer the first question, uh, the title of The Rise of Skywalker really confused him, and you know he's got theories that you know Skywalker is dead. Skywalker is dead, unless of course Ray is Skywalker. Or she's a nobody. So he wrote an article on that and went a little bit in depth to that sort of little thread there. So uh, he also added on that you uh, don't need to be a Skywalker to control the Force. And I totally agree with you. Uh, I'm big on the Force. I'm going to have a big Force episode coming up. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But, you know, Anakin, a mere child of 10 with virtually no father, uh, got the Force somehow. You know, so you have to consider that that you know the force chooses who it wants to choose. So I think we're on the same page there. One thing Daddy, you know, definitely mentions is that you know, remember, just to put it in perspective, this is a space movie with spaceships, aliens, and weapons that don't exist in this world because none of it is real. So take it for what it is worth. Entertainment, an escape. Amazing. You no, know, great stuff. Thank you. Um, you no, know, he speaks to uh, the the trilogy question. It was a little bit of a misinterpretation. He talked about Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and the the possibility of the rise of Skywalker, and he had some really really great insights there. Um, I was referring to the new uh, sequel trilogy, the the new trilogy coming out with uh, DB Weiss and Bannehoff, um coming down the pipeline. Twenty. 20- 22, 24, and 26, but we'll have that discussion at a later date. Uh, He's not much of a book reader, but he's definitely interested in checking out the stories that happen in between the two movies. But what I am going to do is I'm going to allow him to gush over Galaxy's Edge. So introducing first to the podcast on a special segment that's around four and a half minutes long is Rilo C. S W.
1: And the last one, the greatest question: Do I plan on going to Galaxy's Edge? Oh yes, definitely. Without a doubt, definitely, man. Uh, I just watched a video the other day of. I think it was on Disneyland Resort Twitter. Um, It was uh, them letting in the first guests to Galaxy's Edge. And they did a countdown and everybody walked in. They did interviews with people. And there's these two little kids that are just freaking out. And I've got two little kids. And it 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 got me choked up, man. I mean, yes, I'm a Star Wars fan. have been all my life, and I try to get my kids into it. they're not they're just not into it like I am, but I showed my kids the video, and they're excited to go. My wife has no interest in any Star Wars stuff I talk about. She doesn't care it's but she did see the the originals and she did see the prequels. Um, And she did see Force Awakens with me. But she likes Disney. And she's very interested. She's very interested to see uh, Galaxy's Edge after I showed her that video. I mean, she's been interested in it before that. You know, she's been keeping up on it and sending me stuff about it. Because she knows I'm excited about it. But after I showed her that video, she, she really wants to go. And when I showed her the video, I... She, she looked at me. She goes, are you going to cry? I was like, I might. I mean, I think I will walk in and I will see that Falcon life size staring at me. And I think I will shed a tear. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. You could play this to all your audience. I don't care. Yes, I will probably cry. Um, yeah, I saw some videos on them making the, the lightsabers. I'm definitely saving up my money for that. Um, I want to try some blue milk. Uh, I just want to stand there and be in front of that Falcon, be in, be in front of the X-Wing, be in a whole new world. It's, from what I hear, it's so immersive and interactive. And you get to fly in the Falcon, and I just, I can't wait. Um Um Definitely going uh, I think we plan on going in November of 2020 so just over a year from now um, so yeah um I'm so excited I can't even talk about it I'm so excited because i I got so many thoughts in my head about stuff I've seen on the internet of uh, videos and it's it's just amazing I can't wait so I mean, you see Kylo Ren come out and he's talking to kids about where's the Wookiee and, you know, the, the stormtroopers. You know, one thing I wanted, I was hoping to go and, you know, they have, a, they have a time limit for the first, like, month or so or however long it was. But I guess that the stormtroopers, when they realize you've been there too long you've overstayed your four-hour window, that they usher you out. I want to be forcefully pushed out by (laughs) stormtroopers. That that would be be fun. I would resist them just to mess with them. But, yeah, it looks looks great. I think Disney is knocking it out of the Galaxy's Edge park. Mike got me pumped
0: up for Galaxy's Edge. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Thanks, Mike. I do appreciate you just spewing your heart out all over your car and into our listeners' ears. And uh, when you play this back, I hope you don't mind that I ended up using some of your audio into the podcast. So that's just amazing. This podcast cannot exist without the wonderful backbone and support of the we pod squad network greg and sam another excellent episode that i listened to in full in my car i'm finding podcasts to be a little bit more appealing than uh, regular radio broadcasts it's a little bit more interesting to me now but greg and sam bringing the heat getting close to 150 episodes bringing in a new podcaster Ryan straight from Ion Ryan with his British lady accent thanks for one-upping me dude but congratulations on your first episode that just dropped today June 4th 2019 Greg and Sam expanding already just when you thought that you couldn't have enough content we are just going to triple down on you like you wouldn't believe. Follow We Podcast and We Know Things on all the platforms and get that exclusive The La Last Podcast content and The Ion Ryan Show content found under the We Podcast and We Know Things hosting feed. So if you're looking for our individual podcasts, they're not available at the moment. We are snuggled underneath a daddy podcast called We Podcast and We Know Things, and we're still little babies trying to find our way out in the world. So thank you, Greg and Sam, for being those parents that I never knew I needed. To start this episode's heavy content, let me just remind you that on May 25th, 2019, it has been 42 years of Star Wars. What an achievement. It's a pop culture phenomenon that, even if you don't watch the movies, you kind of know what's going on. You could say Force. You could say Luke Skywalker. You could say X-Wing. You could say Midichlorians. No, you couldn't say mid- Midichlorians. Forget that. Forget. Scratch that, uh, the last one. I might have to scrub that out. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it in. It's fine. Uh, but you could literally say, may the Force be with you. A major quote from the movie, and people would know it. So congratulations, Star Wars, 42 years strong, 12 years older than I am, uh, just an amazing feat. The next segment is going to be, Mike, and you're going to be excited about this, Galaxy's Edge Heavy. I have pulled together some of the best and most interesting content, at least to me, that I could find throughout the past Couple weeks, and I would like to get started with some uh, Batu information. Yes, uh, found on found on Twitter at Ray's Ben Solos. This person posted a screen capture of Kylo Ren. And Ray and their time on Batuu. So again, the connections to Batuu and Disney's Galaxy, and Disney's Galaxy's Edge, continue to amaze me. And let me read this off to you. So Kylo Ren. The supreme leader of the First Order strikes fear in the hearts of his foes with his imposing mask, long dark robes, iconic hilted red lightsaber, and notoriously violent temper. As a highly trained Force-sensitive warrior, Kylo Ren is determined to root out the Resistance and travels to Batuu to search for and destroy any traces he can find. He can often be found at Docking Bay 9, the First Order Order encampment. Spooky. Scary. Relevant. Love it. Love the connections. Now on to Rey. Sometime after the Battle of Krait, at the conclusion of Star Wars The Last Jedi, Resistance hero Rey made her way to Batuu. Here, she leads the recruitment effort for the Resistance, Based out of the Resistance encampment by actively inspiring supporters along the galaxy's outer rim. Will Ray make an appearance in Galaxy's Edge? I hope so. Will uh, their travels be fleshed out in Resistance Reborn, the book I talked about last week? I hope so. That is excellent, excellent news. Thank you at Ray's Ben Solos on Twitter. For finding that and uh, allowing me to share it with all of the listeners out there. Speaking of Galaxy's Edge, because that's what this topic is about, there's another awesome connection to a book brought to you by Alex Marshall Brown at a Marshall Brown. It has been such an honor to join the Star Wars universe originating the role of Vi Moradi for the world premiere of Disneyland's Galaxy's Edge. As long as there is air to breathe, the Resistance shall fight on, ignite the spark, and light the fire. And it is a picture of a young African-American female with black hair and blue tipped out in an orange of Starbird uh, Resistance flight jacket and... Why does this matter? Because Vi Moratti was a major, major character in the book called Phasma by Delilah Dawson. And I read Phasma, and it goes through Phasma's backstory and how she became the notorious Captain Phasma of the First Order. So again, they are taking... Somebody who was on a piece of paper and putting them in real life. They are setting up this universe, and that is a great thing. The connections are continuing to happen, and uh, you better strap in because it's going to be a wild ride in the Star Wars universe coming down the line. What was interesting is that, obviously, before Galaxy's Edge opened, which, by the way, it opened May 31st, to everyone May 28th, to um, testers and uh, other high-class people. That No one gave me a phone call, even though I have just one full podcast episode down. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to be offended. But the Disneyland park map was revealed, and this land is huge. It's ginormous. It's It actually doesn't make any lick of sense. I think they have to print out another half-sheet of 8x10 to fit the land onto the Disneyland brochure. Uh, I I can't wait to get my hands on one. And, uh, you know, the best part about it, things, well, I don't know if it's the best. I'm sure there's many things that are the best, but you don't even know you're in Disney. Like, you you walk into that park, and the way they've set it up is that it's engineered to make you feel that you have left Disney and you have entered the Outer Rim. And I, I can't, you know, I haven't been there. I, I'm hoping to get there um, as as soon as December. You know, I, I might be lucky enough to get out there. And I just want Galaxy's Edge to wash over me. I want to go in there with money to burn. Oh, I just I don't even want to think about it right now because it's going to get me all crazy and, you know, rambly. Hey, do you want to be a stormtrooper? in Galaxy's Edge. So Disneyland is looking for a few good stormtroopers to help defend the dark side in the California park's new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. This article from the New York Post written by Yaron Steinbüch uh, on May 24th, 2019. Auditions were held Friday for men and women who want to don the white armor and join the villainous first order of the Galactic Empire. But would-be warriors hoping to embark on an adventure far, far away and had to meet strict... Requirements: The performers must be at least 18 years old, between 5 feet 10 and 6 feet tall, with a slender athletic build, and be able to work in full body armor at high energy levels. They also must be available Friday nights, weekends, holidays, and all summer during peak operating seasons at the park. Performers appear before thousands of guests each day in meet and greets while posing for pictures and helping to create magical moments with guests of all ages at the Disneyland Resort, the posting says. The Star Wars Galaxy's Edge attraction is set to open May 31st. Who's down the clown in a a stormtrooper outfit? I am. I am. Uh, Maybe one of you who apply will be able to kick Mike out in a couple years. Just saying. Now, you might be wondering, how do you get in the Galaxy's Edge? Well, if you didn't get a reservation now, all the reservations are taken up. But if you do stay at a Disneyland resort, it does come with a four-hour reservation up until June 23rd now after June 23rd you can finally get into the park but here's how it works according to the "No before you go YouTube video provided by Disney Parks blog you will go into the park as normal And you will have to wait for your boarding group. So I imagine, again, it works with a four-hour time limit. But uh, they'll let you know when it is time to gather at the uh, spaceport to get into Galaxy's Edge. And I think this is a great use of crowd control. Obviously, everybody wants to go to the new park immediately. But you can't have 25,000 people, and that's an estimate. I don't really know the numbers. If the numbers come out, I will report it. I don't think you can have a lot of people in one area. There's capacity issues. There's flow issues. Uh, Just last year, there was a line to get into Toy Story land at Disney's Hollywood Studios. A line to get into the land, which I thought was really wild. And was it worth it when we walked into? Very cool. But it's nothing like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge it is a microcosm It, it is a, it's a poof it's a whisper of what Galaxy's Edge is going to be so know before you go on YouTube check it out for the virtual queue that you will be in to get into Galaxy's Edge one of the things that I'm super excited about are the retail, the stores in Galaxy's Edge and uh, definitely dropping money on a custom built lightsaber Probably going to build myself a droid. Gotta buy myself some swag. Some kind of resistance or first order officer or something. And then I'm going to go back to the hotel. I'm going to put my stuff on. I'm going to put the lightsaber on the belt clip. And then I'm going to find out that adults are not allowed to dress up at all at Galaxy's Edge. 14 years and younger, You can't wear Star Wars costumes in Galaxy's Edge, not even the ones on sale, according to Chris Plante of Polygon.com, written on June 1st. Disneyland's new Star Wars Land, Galaxy's Edge, invites guests to role-play as members of the Resistance, First Order, or smuggler industry in a galaxy far, far away. But the park requests that guests 14 years of age or older not wear costumes, particularly those that look too similar to Star Wars characters. Uh, we're looking at you, Star Wars Celebration. For Star Wars fans, this policy might feel like a cruel, imperial mandate, but there's some logic behind Disney Park's long-standing costume policy. Here's the official rule from the Disneyland website. The current Disneyland Resort costume policy will be in effect in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Costumes may not be worn by guests 14 years of age or older. Appropriate Disney bounding, dressing in outfits inspired by favorite characters, is permitted. Now here is the reason for this. Disney is so good at what they do, they make you forget that you are in a fake world. So by having 55 people dressed up as Kylo Ren, you would never know what the real Kylo Ren is And then uh, there could be trouble here. I'm thinking like PA Renfair trouble where you're not sure who's working the Renfair. Um, Once upon a time, uh, I went to the Renfair with my high school that I work at and I dressed up in full Shakespeare garb and people were asking me for directions. And I was giving them. I was giving them directions to something. Maybe not where they wanted to go, but I was giving them. And it... And that was a small potatoes compared to Galaxy's Edge. So this totally makes sense to me. And uh, you're damn right I would have dressed up at Galaxy's Edge. I donned my full Jedi costume that my wife and I, my wife begrudgingly. Oh, by the way, the movie's in a week. I need you to make this for Halloween. This is a, you know, she made a custom uh, Jedi outfit for me, found it on Pinterest, went to Johan Fabrics and crushed it out of the park. I'll have to dig it up. ...and put it onto the Instagram page for you. Actually, I'm going to make a note of that right now. Insta Jedi. That's maybe a new flavor of ramen. Um, But, you know, upholding the allure for Disney is more important. It's for the magic. And remember, it's for the kids. The kids are going to go absolutely crazy for this park. And finally, on May 29th, uh, Star Wars had a live stream. It started at 11.20 p.m. Eastern, and I was like, God, I'm super tired, but I can't miss this. This will go right into the podcast. I took some notes, and uh, Bob Iger comes out on stage, and it was a very, very well-put-together live stream. I was envious of it. And uh, four years ago, Bob Iger announces the expansion. Four years ago. That was 2015. Okay, 2015, when The Force Awakens came out. And, you know, it's a 14-acre land. How do you take a blank slate and create this entire black spire? It is a uh you know it kind of reminds me of route 66 the way Reba burr who is the host was uh, describing it that the blacks the black spire outpost is on a sublight route so you have you know uh light speed and then you have sublight and sublight is like regular speed and uh with hyper lanes uh being more active and a little bit more stable see kessel run um there was no need to actually hit sublight around Black Spire Outpost. So it is on the edge of wild space, and uh, people want to get in and get out of there real quick, so they usually just use light speed. But this uh, totally reminds me of Cars where that town was kind of forgotten about because the highway was built. So there's your Strange Cars connection there. Uh, As I said before, it's open to all guests after June 23rd. Uh, they did offer a digital download wallpaper of uh, Black Spire. I did not find it on the blog, but if I find it, I'll post it. Uh, there's merchandise with outfitters, tunics, animals. Not animals, but like animals of Star Wars, like porgs. You can do lightsabers and droid building. Um, there is a interesting phraseology there, and it's called Rising Moons. And that means hello during the evening. So that's pretty cool. So people greet each other. They have these little sayings there. Star Tours is 30 years old. You know, it's, it's a simulation ride. It's not great. Uh, they updated it, and it was definitely better. I rode it a bunch of times, a little bit more interactive. Um, but Bob Iger said, listen, I want you to take the idea star, of Star Tours, and I want you to be the most ambitious you ever been, to his Imagineers. And basically, all I hear is, spare no expense, let's get this done. So all of a sudden, Bob Iger starts bringing out these guests. Guest number one, I'm thinking it's going to be these uh, low-level people working at Galaxy's Edge. How about George Lucas comes on stage in his flannel shirt and his jeans and sneakers and his curly hair, and he just looks miserable. So it's the George Lucas we know and love George Lucas says, you know, in the way he says things, this is amazing. He could not have dreamed it. The technology is there. And for real, for real, he didn't say that part, but it'll change your life. You know, that's right from George Lucas. Uh, Then we had some other special guests come out on stage. First, it was Billy D. Williams. Uh, You know, he's been part of the saga for 40 years and people ask him questions like, you know, how did I find Lando? And, uh, or how have you been since Lando left? And he just laughs in that smooth and savory laugh that he has, and he says, you know, Lando never left me, you know? And and he's probably right, because I don't know if he was in any other movies outside of Star Wars. Um, But he is definitely an older dude, you know? And I'm pretty sure that he'll have a, interesting role in The Rise of Skywalker, but he says that this land is for you. And I'm like, wow, George Lucas, Billy D. Williams, this is great, And but Mark Hamill shows up. What? Marky Mark, I follow you on Twitter. You didn't tell me that this was happening. We're friends, right? You know, uh, he was with George Lucas and uh, I guess the CEO before Bob to open up Star Tours, and he's like, I can't believe that we have our own ride at Disney. And now we have our own land. And he's like super excited about it. And, uh, you know, he told some stories about how, you know, people just like constantly come up to him and say how the movies or what he said or how he portrayed something got them through hard times. And it continues to amaze him how far-reaching this universe is and, you know, what it means to fans, and, uh, you know, that's exactly what it's all about. It's not all about trolling and being right and, uh, you know, trying to get your point across to to prove that you have more Star Wars knowledge than someone else. It's about how it's making you cope with what we call life. So, Mark Hamill, God bless you. Then, all of a sudden, they uh, do a little... Thing where a, a, a Chewbacca and I gotta be honest with you, this Chewbacca costume in Disneyland doesn't really look like the Chewbacca we know. It's it, it's kind of like it's something it looks like it's something you would buy off of Amazon, you know, like it looks legit, but you know, like that's not Chewbacca, right? So, I they gotta work on that, but it, that might just be me. Nip nip. Meanwhile, I'm nitpicking a Chewbacca costume at Disneyland. Great job, Star Wars fan. Uh, but, you know, Chewie tries to light up the Falcon. And meanwhile, by the way, they are standing in front of the Millennium Falcon. It is nighttime there, so you can see all the lights, uh, the ambient noise. you got a bunch of people around. And uh, he, uh, before this next guest comes out, he brings out all the Galaxy's Edge people that are working. And if you didn't see that photo on the Star Wars Instagram of all the 1,500 workers, take a look. Because they are... Just an amazing group of people. And uh, you know, you hear the classic grinding of engines and it winding down and
1: now boop
0: And like Chewy like slams on the cockpit uh panels and you know, he's just frustrated. So Bob Iger goes, Well, there's only really one person that can fix this, and out comes Harrison Ford. You can't get this guy to do anything he's such a curmudgeon and Harrison Ford comes out and he greets the crowd and he goes over to the Falcon and he looks back at the camera and he points at the camera and he says Peter this one's for you he hits the the Falcon I just gestured with my hand you can't see that so he hits the Falcon twice and Boom, fireworks, boom, the Falcon starts up, engine's going, the music is playing, the fanfare is playing, and it was such a special moment. And, I, you know, all of a sudden it's 12.15, and I have energy. I didn't even realize how much time had actually passed. So, you know, that was such a great, I'm getting a little teary-eyed just thinking about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's so cool couple little bits of information from the live stream. August 29th, Florida is opening Galaxy's Edge. So it is June, July, August. They're two months out. They're going to do another dedication ceremony. Who are they going to have down there? You just had one of three of the biggest stars down there. Are they going to have three of the biggest stars from the new movie? I hope so. Making the connections. The Rise of the Resistance ride is the most ambitious ride they've ever created. And that's the ride that's not quite ready yet. It's not open in Disneyland. They're still working on it. But according to Bob, can I call you Bob? Uh, That is the most ambitious. And they're even saying more ambitious than the Avatar ride in Animal Kingdom. So that wraps up the dedication ceremony of Galaxy's Edge. And in fact, that wraps up Galaxy's Edge's segment in its entirety. So I hope you were able to get a little bit of knowledge of Galaxy's Edge as we move forward in this podcast. Let's talk Solo, A Star Wars Story. Reviewing this movie from a year ago Rotten Tomatoes, which, again, can be hit or miss uh, with their audience score and the critics. Solo came out May 25th, 2018. The first May release of a Star Wars movie in a while. Nearly six months after the debut of the uh, vile Last Jedi. And it opened... To a seventy percent on a tomato meter, the critics' consensus was this: a flawed yet fun and fast-paced space adventure solo. A Star Wars story should satisfy newcomers to the saga, as well as longtime fans who check their expectations at the theater door. A year after May twenty-fifth, twenty-nineteen, Twitter is asunder. Twitter is a poppin', with the hashtag #Make. Solo to happen. All of a sudden, I'm starting to see it. Make Solo to happen. This. Make Solo to happen. We really need it. We really want it. Make Solo to happen. So I start getting into it and I'm going, absolutely, we need a Solo to. In fact, the way they leave Solo open is you need Solo to actually finish out a storyline, to finish out a thread. In fact, I would accept a solo trilogy. So according to Screen Rant by Chris Agar, Agar, on May 24th, the solo writer teases underworld war story plans for sequel. Co-writer Jonathan Kazin teases a possible underworld war storyline for a hypothetical sequel in the franchise's second live-action off film, Audience took a deep dive into an unsavory, morally ambiguous corner of the galaxy far, far away. Solo was essentially a heist film in space revolving around a cast of scoundrels and thieves as they looked to make ends meet during the heyday of the Empire. Of course, Han was revealed as the good guy with a heart of gold, but many of the characters were not heroic in the traditional sense. So, this potential movie kind of helped push this hashtag MakeSolo2Happen. John Kazan on Twitter says, Beyond grateful and galvanized by the hashtag MakeSolo2Happen energy on Twitter today it means so much to everyone involved and, our, and your enthusiasm makes it possible for us to keep advocating for it because the maker knows there's a war story set in a galaxy far, far away that's yet to be told. So MakeSolo2Happen was trending. I would totally be down for Solo to actually come out with a sequel uh, led by the guys from Star Wars News Net. This took fire. This really did take fire. So thank you, gentlemen for star, uh, gentlemen and ladies from Star Wars News Net. You are a leading source of Star Wars material uh, for when I'm pulling some articles, so I appreciate all of that. I know I follow some of you on Twitter. So I'll definitely give you a shout out when I pick your specific articles from your network, but keep on rocking. Speaking of solo, we'll do a little connection here. Uh, we may have a connection to the rise of Skywalker in the armor and weapon of one of the Knights of Ren as seen in the Vanity Fair article so again this is an audio podcast but if you look at the Vanity Fair article where it's featuring the Knights of Wren and you look at JJ Abrams on the left uh, pondering something the knight, uh, a knight of Wren is in front of us he's holding a staff uh, toward the top of the staff there are is bigger cylinders there's about seven of them, and it leads up to an axe-looking weapon that has different shapes like triangles and uh, octagons cut out of it. And lo and behold, a similar blade was seen in Solo, a Star Wars story. In Dryden's like treasure chamber of stuff. So Is this a coincidence? Definitely not. Not a coincidence at all. They have been connecting little tidbits of of things back and forth between these movies. Case in point, Maz Kanata, Little Alien Girl, Big Glasses. There is a doll-looking creature in The Phantom Menace. Is it an exact match? No, it doesn't have to be. But the fact that it's there means that they were paying attention to the little details. So, is a Knight of Ren Mandalorian? Because the Mandalorian armor in Solo A Star Wars Story is where the axe can be found. Again, an interesting theory. Uh, We'll see if it pans out. But again, check out uh, the article on Screen Rant written by... Andrew Dice on May 26 and there is a potential Mandalorian connection in fact I would be down if this turns out to be the Mandalorian on the Disney Plus network wouldn't that be interesting we'll come back to that we will come back to that finally we have our final little story and uh, it's a bit of a big story at the same time because it uh, deals with the future of the franchise. And the future of the franchise is going old. And by old, I mean a new Star Wars movie based on Knights of the Old Republic is in the works. From BuzzFeed, written by Kate Earther on May 23rd, a movie based on Star Wars, The Knights of uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the beloved video game first released in 2003. I played this game. It's currently being written by Laeta Calogridis. I'm not sure if I s- said her name right, but she wrote Avatar and Shutter Island. Now, listen, it doesn't get any bigger than Avatar. And then Shutter Island was a well written, twisty, curvy, turny story. And she's writing this for Lucasfilm. Three sources close to the project told BuzzFeed News. So we'll label it as a rumor until it is confirmed. But that is pretty exciting news for Knights of the Old Republic fans. And if just in case you don't know what the Knights of the Old Republic was, uh, it's nicknamed Kotur. And it's a role-playing game about Jedi versus the Sith, set nearly 4,000 years before the events of 77 Star Wars A New Hope. Fans have long yearned for its rich story to be adapted to film. So it got me thinking, because I still have the Knights of the Old Republic original PC system discs. So should I stream this game on my Twitch channel? The original game in all its 2003 graphical glory. I think it's yes. I think I'm going to play through this game again. And uh, follow me along. Remember, on that Twitch, MRC Tech. check me out. And that wraps our new segment for Episode 2. Because it's Episode 2, and I want to bring some brand new content to you right now, I think it's important that you know that this is a reoccurring segment that I plan on doing. And this segment I call... That's no moon, it's a breakdown. So each segment will last 25 minutes. I think 25 minutes is an appropriate time. Uh, I know we're running long already here. Thanks, Mike, for running me four and a half minutes longer than I needed to. Just kidding. But first up, I'm going to tackle the most controversial film ever made in the Star Wars universe. We are going after The Last Jedi immediately. So it is easily the most controversial film made in the saga. It led to negative outlook toward Solo, and it led to Solo not doing well, and it led to them doing a full stop on all movie productions. So in a way... It has cleared the path for the creation of the Star Wars universe to expand. I'm going to watch the first 25 minutes of the film live, and I'm going to comment on it. I'm going to give you my thoughts as the movie's going on. I'm not going to pause this movie, okay? At least I hope I won't. Uh, You're going to get my reactions to it along with... My audio commentary, similar to a director's cut, except I'm not the director. I'm a 30-year-old commenting on a movie that came out in 2017. If you're listening to this on a computer, and you just so happen to have The Last Jedi queued up, why don't you watch along with me, right? Listen to the podcast. Watch along. This should be pretty cool. Alright, so let's get started with That's No Moon It's a Breakdown The Last Jedi Part 1 Star Wars The Last Jedi Lucasfilm logo A long time ago in a galaxy far far away The Star Wars logo appears on screen for the 8th time in movie history episode 8 the last Jedi the First order reigns having decimated the peaceful Republic Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy only general Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny Certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the Resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds toward the Rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. As soon as I read the text, I was like, wait a second. Timeline-wise, are we going to get something that happens immediately after the destruction of Starkiller Base? Um, You know, I just remember that there was always a time jump, but apparently in this movie there wasn't. So let's see where we're at. So we have a similar tonal musical mode uh, similar to A New Hope, we have camera zooming in across all the Rebel fleet ships. And guess what? I don't know their names by heart, except for the Rattus. The Resistance is escaping. They are in the middle of getting out of Dakar as fast as they can. And just like that, the First Order is on them. And we are not even three minutes in. And we've got a bad feeling about this. Hux does not look good. It doesn't look like he's been sleeping. And, uh... You know, he's just a little whiny little brat. But, you know, whatever. Very aggressive. You need to take a chill pill, brother. Okay, so I wasn't in love with the idea of just another giant ship. I mean, honestly, what? they Think of something different. Like, oh, look, it's a ship with a big gun. Pretty cool. So people to one probably knew that this was Poe. Like, who else would it be? And that's BB-8 saying, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Not, eh, I'm okay with it, but like during the movie I'm not thinking about whether or not that's a classic saying from the movie, but, you know, it's fine. I actually enjoyed this part. I, I was laughing in the theater when this was happened. it's It's so silly. You know, Hux is going through this incredible speech. Tell your precious princess that there will be no terms. And uh, he, uh, and Poe's just delivery is incredible. It's so funny to me. The galaxy. Can 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 he hear me? You know, you got you got his cr- cronies just like can't believe that he's falling for this they can't believe it in fact one of his officers has the biggest eye roll ever and it's awesome so we see a modified engine onto the uh, black one x-wing And he's headed right for the Dreadnought. Huh. No, is he insane? We have a very cool space battle, and they keep continuing. They keep showing us different aspects of the cockpit. And, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. We usually get that traditional look where it's, like, camera straight on to the face and nothing else. But, you know, they're showing some cool angles here. Now, Captain Kennedy is a great character, and I'm so upset that he's not going to be in the next movies because he just seems like a gritty old general that just knows when and how to do some things. So we have our first uh, TIE Fighter X-Wing battle with Poe trying to escape and, uh-oh, loses his weapon systems. Very interesting scene here as we got we get to see the inside of an X-Wing and how the droids go about handling this. Now, this is a newer model X-Wing, so I imagine they're built a little bit different. I don't think R2-D2 could do that. Boom, boom, fire on the base, and luckily, the resistance last transport gets away. And would you believe that it was probably some sort of Death Star tech that exploded that base? Alright, let's get out of here. Now we have a decision by Poe. Was it the right decision? We'll find out later. So, I was all for this in the movie, for sure. And here we go, a little bit of comic relief. Very good. Classic tracking system. He turned off his targeting computer. We could see the same sort of technology that Luke used in New Hope. Poe used. So BB-8 finds a way to get the targeting system... Back up and running, and Poe explodes the last gun turret. Surface cannon. He does, like, a sweet Philly K-turn. And uh, blows up the last two TIE fighters. That's great. Of course they are. We have the Sherzo of the Resistance as played by the wonderful John Williams a very familiar tonal musical melody from The Force Awakens. I think in the behind the scenes some of these pilots were actually computer generated but I'd have to review the behind the scenes one more time. So naturally, we have a space battle with a ton of sound, which of course doesn't make sense, but because it's Star Wars, we'll allow it. One bomber is down. The First Order is just an overwhelming force. Now, here's my issue with this. They took out the base first. Why wouldn't they take out the main ship first? They could have hyperspaced in, targeted the main ship, blew that ship up, they've got nowhere to go, the resistance is devastated, and the movie is over in eight minutes. Congratulations. But hey, the First Order, once again, makes a mistake. Alright, now we have just a dumb circumstance of shrapnel and bad luck and boom and everything is just going to hell. And then we have Cobalt Squadron as featured in the book that I didn't read but I always thought about reading. But we have a beautiful scene of the camera panning from person to person. That's a cool little shot. Good job. So now we have... A nice dramatic scene by Paige, the bombs are armed. I know I was, I was hanging onto my seat for this scene. I've heard some good feedback from people like, it was not realistic, how could bombs drop from space? There's no gravity. That's talking to you, Greg. And I promptly corrected him with the Visual Dictionary stating that they are magnetically thrown. And, uh, they uh, are attracted to metal, so... Uh, works. We have a few kicks. A wide shot, Poe screaming, Kennedy screaming. It's, it's really well done in the, the direction. The cannons are loaded. Leia feels something in the force. We see the symbolic half-moon. The hazy and smelt silence, as it should be in space. And an impractical, illogical catch. And the bombs are away. I left the scene just feeling, like, total loss. Like, they, they didn't really get a victory here. Yeah, they blew up a ship. And my man, Captain Kennedy, his smug face to the end. And the dreadnought is down. There is relief, but also sadness. And I feel you, Leia. You lost way too many lives there. In a small attempt to uh, be brave when you didn't need to. Small band of resistant fleet. Hopping on in this ship. The Radis, flying in. E-brake. Fast and the Furious Star Wars style. And we have uh, the face... Of General Hux in this scene is. Oh, there's the eye roll. Perfect. It's perfect. Ah. Supreme Leader Snoke, very reminiscent of ah. Emperor Palpatine, and. Whoa! This dude can use the force from distance. So we didn't know what that meant right away, but he did mess him up good. So we see Finn for the first time, uh, wasn't particularly in love with this scene, as um, really this is where the scene needed to end, right here. But nope, he has, has to fall out of the bed, making Finn look foolish, and I think that's a silly move on Ryan Johnson's part. So that would have been fine. Just a transition there. I would have been cool with it. We have another BB unit in the background. That's awesome. If, uh, like, Why wouldn't you just take all that stuff off before leaving the room? It makes no sense. So he asks, where's Ray? And finally, after nearly 14 minutes of movie, we get the moment that we have been waiting for since 2015 Rey walks up stoic curious we get a great shot of Luke's hand she hands him the lightsaber she steps back allows him to take it all in for some reason he's standing on top of a hill with Jedi robes he looks at her And when he threw that lightsaber over his shoulder and walked away, my mouth literally hit the floor. I looked at my dad. I looked at the person to my left. I looked at the person behind me. I took a selfie because I just couldn't understand what was going on. I didn't know if I liked it, and I didn't know if I didn't like it at this time. But we're starting to see some of the Jedi... Stone houses. Get a little bit more detail of Ak 2. Fun fact uh, Luke Skywalker's door to his hut is from his X Wing, which is pretty cool. Ray is very confused. You have to remember that. She's never been off of Jakku. Well, I guess she has been. She got there when she was five, I think. But she's never been there. I'm very happy the lightsaber didn't go off with the Porgs touching it, because that would have been really silly. But she finds the lightsaber, looks and sees... Oh, what an Easter egg. Luke's sunken X-Wing. We have a red kyber crystal, some Jedi artifacts, the compass from Battlefront Two. We have Luke's first words go away, the door blasts open, and he sees Chewbacca for the first time in a long time. Now there's a great comic adaptation of The Last Jedi, and it explores Luke's feelings towards Han, but what a transition. Luke says, where's Han Boom. Kylo Ren's face. The last thing Han Solo saw. And now we're in Snoke's throne room, which is pretty cool. Very similar to Death Star. What a look from Hux. Giving him a little bit of a side eye. Kylo Ren, the standard kneel. We see Snoke for the first time. He's definitely you know, really dead looking with uh, his face is mutilated. He's in yellow robes. He's unnaturally tall. He can't really walk. It's almost like he's a puppet. Hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: he's got a strange gait to him. I'm just noticing... So again, bringing the bloodline into this, thinking that because he has the bloodline, that he will be the most powerful. We have the classic Empire tone, and now Snoke starts laying into him. I love it. So Kylo's trying to speak through his mask, but you know it's tough to hear him because it's going through a voice modulator. And he takes his mask off, and you know he finally has messy hair. So that was a great fix. Mm. Somehow, Snoke is able to shoot lightning at Kylo Ren. Like, excuse me? Where did that come from? How powerful is this guy, this being? So... Snoke is just really pounding Kylo with insult after insult after insult. And you can tell he's physically affected. Like, he's sweating. He's got no idea what to do. He's so mad right now. He's like, you know what? I've had enough of this. I can prove him wrong or prove him right. Boom. Mask, semi-broken. Hand, not broken. That's confusing, but it's fine. And there's his temper tantrum, and I like the fact that this villain has emotion. People have to be, like, literally frightened of him, because they don't know if he's gonna go off. We transition back to the island. Luke is getting the update.
1: You hear a word i just said i think what i'm going to walk out well, laser with a laser sword and
0: face down the whole very world. cynical luke skywalker which again very, going to very confused to here. for me just
1: so in the galaxy for no reason at all
0: Go away. like he's not interested it's so strange ahead? to me after seeing him in return of the jedi coming back turning his father it's so strange to have this man who we grew up and loved, turn into this old curmudgeon. And now this is where it gets a little hazy, because you have Ray following him around the island, and this may be the next day, this may be the same day, there's no indication, but time in this movie is very strange. For the longest time, I thought that it was only a few hours, like 18 to 36 hours in length, but I'm thinking it's a little longer. All right, so we have a strange scene with sirens. And again, this is very normal for Star Wars. I mean, the Rancor, uh, the the Gamorrean guards, you know. You got Luke just being a crazy old hermit doing things like that. And Rey is like, just like, you have to remember that all she knows is sand. All she knows is scavenging, and she's seeing the natural world on this island and she doesn't really know what to make of it. Luke has his giant spear which is just abnormally large. They definitely made it. It's got a giant fish-like thing and Ray is just getting hammered with rain which by the way this is probably the first rainstorm she's ever been in. But she still has that compass, that coded compass. Luke has fixed the door, hinges as well. And I'm assuming that it is the next day. So a full 24 hours, we'll say, has passed. Okay, well, let's make that establishment that since she got there, 24 hours have passed, which means that the resistance is still in hyperspace so we'll assume that time works differently in hyperspace so ray feels the call to the f- to the force she sh- hears these whispers and this is this is what i like i like the lore of the force i like the idea that there's an ancient tree and that it's calling to her she's walking to the tree she's entering it whispers are continuing and she's approaching the ancient Jedi text which again is really cool because we've never seen it before and Luke comes in and starts asking her some questions. He's he's curious again. She says she knows this place.
1: We
0: we'll get some history. So I'm wondering if they were always kept there or if Luke found them around the galaxy. So now Luke brings the question that we've been pondering with that what is special about Ray? Luke with a little zinger there.
1: And now he's digging deep. Why are you here?
0: He's trying to connect with her. Ray thinks about it. Something inside me has me always been there. Okay. Establishing character That's development. I'm Fair assessment. What? Why not? I've seen your daily routine, you're not busy. Establishing a few days have passed. I came to this island to die.
1: It's time for the Jedi to end. Leia <sighs> sent me here with hope. If she was wrong, she deserves to know why. We all do.
0: And that is the 26 minute mark, but I wanted to catch it to a transitional piece. So, the first part of this movie, you know, the first 26 minutes, like, we get a great space battle, which was awesome. It brings us to, you know, bringing back our characters that we know and love. And then all of a sudden, a character that for 30 years, 30 years in our brains was a legend. Luke Skywalker has rejected the Force. He's out. Don't bother me. I'm done. What has happened? You know, you have to think that the First Order probably doesn't exist without Luke not being in the picture. So these movies don't exist without him actually going away, right? So the fact that he did go away actually created the First Order in a, in a way. So you know, we'll 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 dig deep into this. Uh, into this movie a little bit more. But that concludes the first part of The Last Jedi of the new segment called That's No Moon. It's a breakdown. I really do hope you enjoyed that last segment and I hope you tune in for episode three when we tackle the next 25 or so minutes of the movie. But as always, I have to shout out the WePod Squad Network, because this podcast is obviously running longer than episode one, but that is a testament to you, the listeners. I want to bring the best content to you, and there is no better way to do that then through Greg and Sam of We Podcast and We Know Things and their listener base and their audience and their amazing fan support. So thank you, Greg and Sam, as always, for being the daddy podcast and nurturing and coddling this baby podcast for a little bit as we gain our footing in the podcast realm. If you haven't checked out Ion Ryan's show, please do so. The Ion Ryan Show Dropped this past Tuesday, 6-4. Episode 1 made its triumphant debut. I just finished listening to it today, June 5th. And I gotta say, the connection of the AEW to the MCU universe, which, by the way, I would have never made that connection because I'm not really into wrestling. Well, I gotta say... This kind of makes me a little excited for wrestling. Like, I, something about Ryan's podcast got me jazzed up. So go ahead and check him out. He did a great job. So kudos to Ryan, kudos to Greg, and kudos to Sam for putting it together. And the We Pod Squad Network grows ever more. Real quick, the last thing I want to talk about is just a random article. Okay, I promised you that I would bring you random articles, and it could involve anything. So today, it's going to involve technology, and this is from uh, Smithsonian.com. Although it is smattered across different websites uh, over the past couple weeks, but I'll read you the headline. Let's see if that piques your interest. A laptop infected with the world's most dangerous viruses sells for one. Point three million million. I saw the headline and I went, "Whoa, what? My head turned. I got a link of the article. I shared it out with my kids on their classroom. And I'm like, what is going on? So basically, here's the gist. The laptop is infected with six viruses. The WannaCry, Black Energy, I Love You in caps, My Doom, So Big, and Dark Tequila. And more or less, these viruses have decimated computers and networks over the past few years. Uh, recently, I believe the uh, WannaCry wrought havoc on English hospitals by rendering MRI machines and blood storage refrigerators unusable. It cost the UK's National Health Service around 100 million in damages. The I Love You virus tricked victims by posing as a love letter. In actuality, it was a self replicating computer worm capable of replacing all of the users files with copies of the bug, all the way back in 2000 when we were just young people. Some of the viruses date to the early 2000s, but the others including Dark Tequila and Black Energy, a more recent malware Program. So this laptop hosts all six of the nastiest viruses and sold as artwork for $1.3 million. Discussion time. Three questions. What are you most excited for in Galaxy's Edge? Question two. Do you have any... The Rise of Skywalker theories, would you be willing to share them with me? Question three. Do you think Poe, in The Last Jedi, made the right call sending the bombers into battle? Well, friends, that does it for episode two of the last podcast presented by MRC Tech. I am your host, Sean. Follow me on Instagram... MRC Tech underscore talks underscore the last podcast on Twitter, MRC Tech Talks SW on Facebook, MRC Tech LLC on Twitch, MRC Tech. Some exciting things going to be happening on Twitch soon. Stay tuned. But check me out on the socials, interact with me. Thank you to Mike Mann, thank you to Monkey Basement Productions, thank you to M.Cassini for putting in some feedback today through the discussion questions. And, as always, may the Force be with you.